Hey, welcome to Plant Yourself. I'm your host, Howard Jacobson. Two quick announcements before we get to today's show. If you're interested in becoming a health coach, I'm offering another run due to popular demand for people who can't make 8 p.m. on Wednesday nights, Eastern Time. So we're doing another run of the program, which will meet the practicums will meet at 10 a.m. on Wednesdays, Eastern Time U.S., which means if you're in Europe or Africa, uh, that might be good for you. Also, if you're in the US and evenings aren't good and you have free time in the mornings, either 7 a.m. Uh, Pacific time or 10 to 1130 Eastern, then you can participate. If you want to find out more about becoming a wicked effective health coach, you can go to wellstartcoach.com. Second thing is, if you're not aware of it, Josh Lajani and I have a book that is free on Amazon Kindle. It's called Sick to Fit. And if you just go to Amazon and search for Sick to Fit, you'll be able to download it for free and read it on any Kindle enabled device, even a phone, smartphone, tablet, computer, whatever. All right, let's get to today's episode. This is the Plant Yourself podcast. I'm Howard Jacobson of Plant Yourself, Wellstart Health and Sick to Fit. Today we've got another Friday fertilizer from Plant Yourself, and today's fertilizer is called Feed the Crying Baby at 3 a.m. After the third consecutive night of no sleep, I was starting to lose it. Our newborn daughter, who had looked so sweet and angelic in the moments right after her birth, with a nine on the Apgar scale, you go girl, had morphed into a demonic nighttime presence. She needed less sleep than any human I had ever encountered. And when she did snooze, she did so with hair trigger sensitivity to the environmental cues to full alertness. An adult cranium touching a pillow, an eyelid closing and not reopening within a tenth of a second. Both of those, she'd go bolt upright awake. So as I walked around the bedroom, holding and bouncing her for the third hour in a row, and man, Fitbit, where were you when I needed you? I was struck by what seemed like a really good idea. Go through my Rolodex, yes, an actual Rolodex, look it up, kids, and see who might want a baby to raise for the next 18 years or so. Thankfully, my wife talked me out of it, or we went through our contacts and didn't want to bother them with a phone call at 3 a.m. I honestly can't remember which. And so we kept on parenting. Years of sleepless nights ensued, and approximately 18 months after our daughter began sleeping through the night, we met our newborn son, thus establishing with scientific precision the outer limits of human memory. And he was not much of a sleeper either. In fact, it's only now, when they're 24 and 20 years old, respectively, that I'm truly starting to catch up on the lost years of shut-eye. It's like student loans, only nobody talked about forgiving my sleep debt at the Bernie rally last week. And I tell you this not to brag. Really. If you want me to brag, I can probably muster up some stuff. But taking care of tiny, screaming babies in the middle of the night, every night, never felt like a choice at least not after the Rolodex. Sometimes it's not a choice. Sometimes it just has to be done. And that's not precisely true, of course. There are plenty of stories of parents abandoning their kids, neglecting them, ignoring their needs, or even imposing well-intentioned self-soothing periods. But to me and my wife, tending to our kids at night never felt optional. We knew that no matter what, if we had strength and breath, 
We'd cuddle them, change them, feed them, change them, burp them, change them, sing to them, take their temperature, tell them a story, change them, and so on. We were in total giving tree mode for years. Come, kids, teeth on my fingers, pee on my shirt, and then you will be, if not happy, at least mollified for a minute and a half. If parenting at that level had required motivation, we would have failed. There's no amount of motivation that would have fueled our nightly care routines for that long. Tony Robbins could go suck a garden hose for all the good getting us into state would have done. If parenting under those conditions required self-discipline and willpower, we would have failed. We were so ego depleted by 3 a.m. that I probably would have been willing to sell my eternal soul to the devil for an uninterrupted 20-minute nap in a made bed. There weren't any self-help books that would have helped. There was no missing knowledge, no absent skills. There was nothing complex about the actions we had to take night after night, day after day to keep these little beings alive and well. We just had to do and do and do over and over again. If it hadn't felt totally and completely non-negotiable, we would have failed. Sure, there were strategies that made it easier. My favorite one was not lactating, which meant there were times I could stay in bed because I was useless. Sorry, hon. Entire bookshelves at Barnes & Noble were devoted to techniques and hacks and tools and mindsets to help us get our kids to go to sleep and stay asleep. Some of them worked to a certain extent. Uh, swaddling was not as cruel as it looked, apparently. Some of them did not work at all. I'm looking at you, Heartbeat Bear, Moses Basket, Keeping the Vacuum Cleaner Running, and Music for Little People's Lullaby CD. Why the F is Lorena McKennett screaming in the middle of Courtyard Lullaby? But it didn't matter. No matter how hard or how easy it became, we just kept doing. Not because it was easy. Not because we were good at it. Not because we were motivated. Not because we had iron wills. No, because it was, in our minds, non-negotiable. What's your non-negotiable? Here's the question. Is taking care of yourself that non-negotiable? Because let's face it, there are a lot of obstacles to eating well, partaking in regular physical activity, managing stress, getting enough sleep, even if you're not struggling through the lost years, and having a satisfying social life. Why is it hard to eat well? <laughs> Let me count the ways. Crap food is cheaper than health food, thanks to the farm bill and other brainless government giveaways. Crap food is tastier than health food because we evolved to prefer calorically dense and salty whenever we could get it. Crap food is more convenient to procure than healthy food. Crap food is advertised everywhere, while healthy food is advertised pretty much nowhere. We associate crap food with our cultural and family traditions. And most of us grew up knowing how to prepare crap food, so it takes thought and energy to deviate from that default. And I could produce a similar list of obstacles to exercise, stress management, and sleep hygiene. In short, taking care of ourselves can be hard. But as we've seen, hard doesn't have to matter. When something is non-negotiable, hard is irrelevant. If it's possible, it gets done. So the real issue in our suboptimal lifestyle behaviors isn't really difficulty or ability. It's our willingness to negotiate. Negotiation Secrets of Terrorist Toddlers As my children grew older, they taught me a lot about negotiation. 
namely that negotiating was a terrible idea when I wasn't willing to compromise. Because the minute I opened that door, they would push and push and push to get their way. Stay up an hour later, barge into my home office whenever they want without knocking and being invited in, eating the spaghetti and leaving the broccoli on the plate. The minute any of these or a million other boundaries were breached, everything fell apart. One hour past bedtime became three because slippery slope. My home office became a playground because cats in the cradle and did I want to miss their childhood? The broccoli would end up in my mouth at the end of the day, so I wouldn't have to make another dish dirty to store the leftovers. Now, to be clear, there were many instances where negotiation was fine with me. I wasn't interested in being a despot. Actually, I very much was, but I found that the attempt was far too costly to my happiness and sanity to justify. So we did negotiate about things like, you know, bedtimes in general, how clean their room had to be before they could have a friend over, and how loud and long they could scream the lyrics to, this is the song that never ends, before that friend had to leave. And these negotiations were a useful contrast to the non-negotiables, because they helped my children see that there was reason and flexibility and opportunities for shared decision-making in certain realms which took much of the sting out of the times my wife or I put our feet down, no discussion allowed. How often do you negotiate with yourself? When you see a yummy piece of cake that will not support your fitness or health journey, do you allow a conversation in your head about it? It's only one piece. It's a special occasion. They'll feel insulted if I say no. Everyone else is having some. I'll go back on my diet tomorrow. When your alarm goes off at 5 a.m. so you can get in a full workout before work, are there protest thoughts running through your brain? I'll just hit snooze one more time. Am I coming down with something? I'd better be responsible and sleep in. You know, I'm not even sure that the treadmill is Maybe I should wait until the weather gets better and just walk outside then. I'll get up at 4 a.m. tomorrow and do a double workout. In other words... If you're struggling to behave day to day according to your goals, values, and priorities, the real question is, how often do you negotiate with yourself? The thoughts are not the problem. You might be thinking, oh no, I have those thoughts all the time. I'm doomed. Good news, you're not. In fact, those thoughts aren't the problem at all. When my kids argued with me about non-negotiables, I didn't despair and throw my hands up. Um, honey, I let them play in the street unsupervised because they kept arguing with me and wouldn't stop. There was nothing I could do. <laughs> Children negotiate and argue and beg and plead and wheedle and cajole and flatter and inveigle and finagle. That's their nature. And... Self-sabotaging arise in our brains whenever there's an option to take the easy way out. Whenever we can grab a hit of pleasure in this moment, even if it's at the expense of much more important future goals. The thoughts are harmless as long as we refuse to negotiate with them. How to refuse to negotiate. If you argue with those thoughts or resent them or try to drown them out, you're going to lose because those are all forms of engaging with them. And those thoughts, 
like a small child eyeing an ice cream cone have way more stamina than you do. The way to refuse to negotiate with self-sabotaging thoughts is simply to accept them calmly. They can stay. They can be loud. They can be strident. They can be unreasonable. But they will not affect your behavior. The cake thoughts can turn their volume up to 11, and you're still not going to have the cake because it's non-negotiable. And you decided this well in advance of this particular cake opportunity. The siren song of the snooze button, no, that's not a Lorena McKenna tune, can sing as sweetly and persistently as it wants, and you're still going to get up at the specified time regardless. Negotiating involves thinking. And your strategy for following through on your commitments to health, as my friend Peter Bregman explains, involves not thinking. Becoming zombie-like in your relentless path toward health, just as I was zombie-like in taking care of screaming children in the middle of a thousand nights. Stay the course, and someday the screaming will become lackluster. You know, no oomph, no real heart in it, just an echo. I can't say that the voices of self-sabotage ever quit. That's not been my experience personally. And I haven't had a single client tell me that it's smooth sailing from here on out, that their cravings have vanished completely. But it doesn't matter, because you and your life deserve to be non-negotiable. So if you want a hand ending the negotiation wars inside your head, an experienced health coach can help. Um, I am an experienced health coach. You could think of me as the super nanny, showing you how to discipline the unruly impulses that have kept you this far from the body and life you deserve. If you'd like to find out more about my coaching, just go to plantyourself.com slash laser, or just go to plant yourself and click the coaching button. And you'll find out about my one year program for unlimited laser coaching calls, 15 minute calls for an entire year, one on one homework. You get to hear the recordings afterwards. Pretty good deal. The other thing is, if you want to enlist social support and create a moment that can really change the trajectory of your health journey, consider coming to the Sick to Fit Retreat in North Carolina, June 4th through 7th. You can find out more about that at sicktofit.com slash NC for North Carolina. Or again, just visit sicktofit.com, click on retreats, and you'll see the North Carolina retreat on that page. And you can find out more about it there. Uh, if you're interested, you can then apply and we can talk and see if it's a good fit for you. All right, that's it for this week. See you again next week with two new episodes. As always, be well, my friends. So if you appreciate the Plant Yourself podcast and would like to help support the mission of the show, there's a few easy ways to do it. One is to just go to wherever you get your podcasts and leave a review. Let other people know about it. Give us some stars. Give us some love. And that really helps us be found by more people. Something else, of course, you can do is let someone know about this podcast, someone uh, who you think would benefit. Send them maybe a couple of episodes that you think would uh, pique their interest or just uh, ask them to subscribe in general. And third, you can join arms and become a patron, a financial supporter of this show. 
You may have noticed that there's no advertising in the show and it's free for everyone and it's supported, paid for by those who can afford it. So if you would like to make a one time contribution or an ongoing monthly pledge, you can do so at plantyourself.com slash gift. All right, time for thanks. Thanks to Will Ridenauer for allowing me to use his beautiful song, Sabali Dawn, The Dance of Peace. You can find more of Will's music at his website, willridenauer.com. And of course, thanks to all of you Plant Yourself podcast patrons. Kim Harrison, Lynn McClellan, Anthony Disson, Brittany Porter, Dominic Mara, Barbara Whitney, Tammy Black, Amy Good, Amanda Hatherley, Mary Jean Wheeler, Ellen Kennelly, Melissa Cobb, Rachel Barnes, Christine Nielsen, Tina Sharp, Tina Ahern, Jen Filikonofsky, David Vizek, The Mysterious, Michelle X, Elspeth Feldman, Leah Stoller, Alan Christensen, Colleen Peck, Michelle Andrews, Josina, Sarah Durkis, Rhymes with Circus, Kelly Cameron, Wayne Pedersen, Janet Selby, Kara Adams, Tom Fronzek, Jeanette Benham, Gil Assert, David Donahue, Blair Cyber, Toronto Vizo, Gio and Carol Argitati, Jody Friesner, Ruth Ann Thunderbrook, Misha Rosen, Michael Warbeck. The equally mysterious Tracy Z of Evil L, Alicia Lemus, Rebecca Hughes, Val Lineman, Rhymes with Cinnamon, Nick Harpers and Martha Bergner, Susan Amon, Molly Levine, the inscrutable Harry R, Susan Laverty, the Panda, Vegan, Craig Kovic, Adam Sharp, Karen Burry, Heather Morgan, Kelly Machia, Deanne Norton, Bonnie Lynch, Plant, Happy Oregon, Sabina Kurtzels, Nigel Davies, Marion Blum, Teresa Copel, Julian Watkins, Breed O'Connell, Shannon Hirsch, Shannon Hirschman, Linda Ayat, Holm Hedegaard, Isa Tuzawak, Connie Hainline, Aaron Greer, Alicia Davis. Heather O'Connor, Carolyn Jensen, Sherry Orlikoski of Plant Powered for Health, Karen Smith, Scott Marani, Karen and Joe Krep, Tanya Lewis, Kirby Burton, Teresa Carell, Kevin McCauley, Elizabeth Rothschild, Ann Jesse, Cheryl Dwyer, Jenny Hazelton, Valerie Peltier, Peter W. Evans, Colleen Harrison, Justine Divid, Joshua Sommermeyer, Dennis Bird, Darmy Kelly, Laurie Fanny, Linnea Lundquist, Valerie Hummel, Emily Iaconelli, Levy Wallach, Rosamund McEntee, Dan McCorney, Stephen Leland. Patty D. Martino, Mike and Donna Cartson, Deanne Bishop, Bill Brielf, Gunter Schmidt, Marjorie Lewis, Kelly Molden, Trisha Adams, Ian Kramer, Nancy Sheldon, Lindsay Bashford, Gunmarie Hagen, Tracy Gullis, Laura Heaton, Meg from Mama Says, Rochelle Kennedy, Diana Goldman, Stacey Stokes, Ben Savage, Michael Kay, Holly Butler, Diana, David Hughes, Connie Rogers, Claire England, Sally Robertson, Parham Ganchi, Amy Daly, Brian Tourville, Mark Jeffrey Johnson, Josie Dempsey, Karen Schmidt. Pamela Hayden, Emily Perryman, Olga Sidoroska, Allison Corbett, Richard Stone, Lauren Vaught of Edible Musings, Aaron Hasty, Sean Owen, Sagar Nayak, Erica Piedra, and Danielle Roberts for your generous support of the podcast. That's it for today. As always, be well, my friends. <laughs>